the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the Son of David. Let us pray. Most merciful God, as the people of Jerusalem with palms in their hands gather to greet your dearly beloved Son when he came into his holy city, grant that we may ever hail him as our King, and when he comes again, may go forth to meet him with trusting and steadfast hearts and follow him in the way that leads to eternal life. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. A great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us go forth in peace in the name of the Lord. Hymn 441, Ride On, Ride On in Majesty.
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his great humility and patience and be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The epistle for Palm Sunday, the Sunday of the Passion, is recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Passion of our Lord according to St. Matthew, the 27th chapter. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, 
Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself if you are the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. 
And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the season of Lent, we have been meditating upon the passion of our Lord according to St. Matthew. All four evangelists are accurate in their testimony concerning Jesus' death and resurrection. But each evangelist selects the details that they highlight in the eyewitness account to make various theological points. For example, we have noted in the Passion according to St. Matthew that it is only in this account that we have Pilate's wife sending a message to her husband, have nothing to do with this just man. It's only in St. Matthew's account that we have Pontius Pilate taking a basin of water and washing his hands and saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And in a climactic moment in the 27th chapter, it's only in Matthew's gospel that we have the reply of that crowd that the Sanhedrin and the high priests had gathered together, saying in reply to Pontius Pilate, his blood be on us and on our children. Little did they realize how significant and prophetic their words were. His blood must be on us and on our children, for it is the blood of atonement, the blood of the eternal Son of God, the blood that cleanses of all sin, the blood that gives forgiveness, the blood that you and I will partake of in a moment in the chalice of our Lord at the Holy Supper. It's also in Matthew's Gospel that we see the power of that forgiving blood. When Jesus gives up his spirit, there's a great earthquake, the rocks are split, the graves are open, and many of the saints who had fallen asleep come back from the dead, and after Jesus' resurrection, they too appear in the holy city of Jerusalem. What power Christ's redeeming work has. As we mentioned in our last sermon on the Passion, it is as if the resurrection began to break in ahead of schedule, even before the third day. But in the Passion accounts, we must finally and ultimately see ourselves and our own sin from which we are called to repentance. When I meditate upon the Passion according to St. Matthew and what you have before you today, I cannot think about how I react when I do something wrong I want to cover up what I've done. 
I don't want anyone else to know about it. When I'm accused of doing wrong, I want to defend myself. I want to make sure you know that I'm really okay. When people have come to the wrong conclusions about something that I have said or something that I have done, I sometimes want to stop at nothing to preserve my own good name and reputation. Why? Because fundamentally, I want people to like me. I want people to think that I'm a good person. I don't want anyone to see my weaknesses or my failings or my sin. What about you? Self-righteousness and self-justification are among the strongest drives of our sinful flesh. Wanting to hold on to our own good name and reputation and to defend ourselves at all costs can itself become an idol as if it is the most important thing there is. And that brings us to the passion for today. St. Matthew records that Pontius Pilate marveled that Jesus said nothing to defend himself. You heard the words. Pilate said, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But Jesus answered him, not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Pilate, who had no doubt tried many cases, they would bring them to the Roman governor, especially cases that demanded execution as a punishment. Crucifixion was nothing to look forward to, I can assure you. It was the most excruciating of all deaths. In fact, that's how it gets its name, excruciating from crucifixion. Pilate had never seen anything like this. And for Pilate, the irony was that he knew that Jesus had done nothing wrong. Certainly nothing deserving of death. Matthew records that Pilate knew that the Jews had delivered Jesus up to him because of envy. It's a curious expression, envy. Matthew's reference to the Jews' envy of Jesus builds upon this irony that the innocent one, who has done nothing worthy of death, will not defend himself. How so? You know what envy is. At the heart of envy is the hatred of someone because they have something that you want but don't have. And so rather than, you know, celebrating what they have, you hate them for what they have that you want. It is clear from the testimony of the Gospels and even from history Josephus, the great historian of the Jews in the first century, everyone knew that Jesus was a good person, what we might call from the catechism, above reproach. He was righteous. He was holy. We understand him rightly to be without sin. And yet what we also see in this holy man who had such a good reputation is that he was full of mercy and he was full of compassion especially for the downtrodden and the outcast of society, those whom the establishment felt were unworthy sinners, unworthy of God's mercy. 
but he loved them. And his ministry to them, he demonstrated that love. That's why on Palm Sunday, the crowds on Good Friday that were crying for his crucifixion, they were not the ones that sang Hosanna to the Son of David. Those were husbands and wives and children, all the pilgrims that had gathered there having witnessed so much of Jesus' mercy in his ministry and who hailed him as the Messiah, Hosanna to the Son of David, save us now. They loved him because they saw in him a mercy and a compassion for them as sinners that they didn't see from the chief priests or the elders of the people or the scribes. And the Jews envied him because they wanted what Jesus had. Here was a good man who was loved and adored by the people, and oh, how they coveted it. So the need to defend themselves against any attack upon their person or the accusation of sin prevented them from receiving the very salvation that Jesus came to give. That's what happens. Self-righteousness, self-defense. It's a defense mechanism of the unbelieving nature, and it pushes back against the mercy of God. And because of that, those same people were unable to extend the mercy of God to others. The idol of self-righteousness and self-justification and self-defense is seen throughout the Passion narrative. The soldiers, for example, are classic bullies. They pick on Jesus, they ridicule him and brutalize him and make fun of him precisely because they perceive him as the weaker one. The passers-by bought into the fake news, you could so to say, of the Sanhedrin, the chief priests and the elders of the people. If this guy weren't guilty of some high crime and misdemeanor, if he weren't guilty of blasphemy or treason against the Roman Empire, why... Why would the governor have demanded his execution and sentenced him to death? Doesn't his own silence and lack of defense prove that he is not who he claims to be? If he were who he claimed to be, he'd come down from the cross. If he were who he claimed to be, he would save himself. Because after all, isn't self-preservation the most important thing there is? Mm -hmm. Do you see how our sinful flesh works? We perceive that the ultimate good is to take care of ourselves and our own good name and reputation. Defend yourself. Protect yourself. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. Then we'll believe you. Isn't that the ultimate good? To save yourself. Not so. That is not what Jesus did. What Jesus did was diametrically the opposite. Had he come down from the cross, he would not have been your savior or mine. If he had come down from the cross, he would not have been the son of God who shared from eternity the Father's self-giving, sacrificial nature of love. And so we hear St. Paul 
actually speak of this in the epistle appointed for today. He says in Philippians 2, it's, it's a liturgical hymn that was sung in the ancient church of the first and second centuries. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, and here's the literal, literal translation, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to. In other words, he was the eternal son of God. He shared the father's divine nature from eternity, God from God, light from light, very God of very God, and yet he didn't hold on to his divine prerogatives, but willingly emptied himself. And he made himself of no reputation, Paul says, taking the form of a bondservant, which is a slave, and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. It is the obedience that we spoke of last week in that Gerhardt hymn where the hymn writer speaks the words of Jesus, yes, Father, yes, most willingly, I will bear all that you command me. That's love. That's the obedience, not of a slave who is coerced into doing what he is doing, but that is a bondservant who is bound to the love of God, who is bound to God's desire to sacrifice himself for our salvation. So Jesus did not defend himself. And he did not defend himself because he came into the world to be incarnate and to suffer and to die to defend you. Yes, to defend you from every accusation. He did not come down from the cross to save himself because he came to bear every Blame for all the wrongs and all of the sins that you have committed. Jesus did not save himself from death because he willingly took the hell and the condemnation of the law's judgment upon himself and he did it in love. That's the attraction for Jesus by those who worshipped him on Palm Sunday. That's why they waved their palm branches. They recognized in him incarnate love a love that was so great that he was willing to touch the body of a diseased leper, to put spittle on his fingers, think of it, not very good for social distancing, and then touch the man's tongue and put his fingers in the man's ears and say, Ephatha, be opened. They recognized in Jesus a depth of love that was unlike anything that they had ever seen before, and it touched them. He took the blame for our sin upon himself. Something else to note about the Passion account in St. Matthew. You have all, no doubt, heard about the seven last words of Christ. The first one, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. I thirst, and so forth. In the St. Matthew Passion, of the seven last sayings of Jesus from the cross, Matthew only records one. And what he records is verse 1 of Psalm 22 that Jesus prayed from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What does it mean? Many not familiar with the scriptures, hearing Jesus say this, say, ah, He's not trusting in his father. He is afraid. He is doubting. Not so. 
in this word that he is given to pray in Psalm 22, a psalm that speaks of the fervent faith of Jesus, the Son of God, from the time he was laid upon his mother's womb. He confesses his faith. And it is a rhetorical question. In other words, why have you forsaken me? Because upon you has been laid the blame for the sins of the whole world. The iniquity of the world was laid upon him, and by his stripes, the prophet says, we are healed. The power of this selfless act of love was dramatic. It caused, as we hear in the St. Matthew Passion, the earth to quake after Jesus gave up his spirit. It caused the veil of the temple that symbolized the sin that separated us from God to be ripped in two. Heaven was wide open through the blood of Christ. It caused the rocks to split and even many of the dead to saints to be raised to life again. And it caused the centurion and his fellow soldiers to confess, truly this one is the Son of God. And it is this selfless act of love proclaimed in the good news of the gospel that gives eternal comfort and salvation to every troubled sinner who believes in Jesus. What does this mean then for you, for me? It means very simply, Jesus took your hell. He took your condemnation. He took your punishment. He took all of it. It means that Jesus now, today, defends you with his blood. Remember the citation, his blood be on us and on our children. Oh, it must be. For his blood is eternal righteousness, innocence, and blessedness that covers our sin and in the waters of baptism declares us the righteous children of God. It means that this righteousness that clothed us in our baptism and which we drink in and eat of in the supper restores our reputation, our good name, not by what we have done, but by what Christ has done for us. Today, our Lord calls us to embrace this truth. We stand righteous for Jesus' sake. Through faith in him, we receive all that Jesus has accomplished in his death, and he withholds nothing from us. There is no word of our own that can defend us. No, no self-defense mechanism that can cover our failings and shortcomings. But there is a word that does. Christ's word for you. When you're broken and contrite of heart, feeling the burden of your sin and the accusations against you, it is his word that sets things right. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. That word defends you. It restores your good name and reputation. It sets you right before God and the throne of divine justice. In Jesus, there is nothing left undone. Christ is your righteousness. He would not save himself. He would not come down from the cross because his love for you was greater than his love for himself. Thanks be to God.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Let us stand for prayer. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For the holy church as she marks Holy Week, especially for those who are not able to gather in person, that we would rejoice greatly over our King who saved us with his perfect life and sacrificial death and who comes to us humbly and continually in his holy word and sacraments. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For Karen Furking, Verla Gatchel, Paul Wehrman, Zoe Fisher, Jennifer Scheller, and Michael Vogt, who celebrate baptismal birthdays this week, that they may abide in the faith of their baptism and by Christ's word and spirit know the consolation of his love all the days of their life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our Christian lives, that we would be granted faithfulness in times of temptation, repentance and forgiveness when we fall, love for all our brothers and sisters in Christ, reconciliation with those from whom we are alienated, and boldness to confess the faith we have in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the members of our congregation, that we would be given faithful and generous hearts to prayerfully and financially support the mission and ministry of our Lord in this place and abroad, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all whom our Father has given authority in civil governments, that he would guide their decisions and desires so that life is defended, justice upheld, and the will of him before whom all knees will bow is done. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who serve in the armed forces of our country, especially the members of our congregation, Robert Haga, Jessica Franklin, John Franklin, Yvonne Ingram, and Mark Miley, that God would grant them courage and faithfulness in their service, and that they might abide in the true faith and in the consolation of God's peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those stricken by disease, especially the coronavirus, for those enduring famine, unemployment, scarcity, and other disaster, for Professor John Nordling, who is in Nigeria and unable to depart, for Father Wokoma and Archbishop Ekong charged with caring for the seminary in Nigeria, for the lonely, isolated, and fearful, and those in any need, especially the members of our congregation suffering afflictions of the body, for Jeremy Lafour in his battle with ALS, infant Mason Perez, who is undergoing heart transplant surgery this morning, Walter Schmundlach, with an inoperable tumor, David Berger in rehabilitation for a brain injury, and Kurt Scheller in hospice care. That our Father would hear our pleas and spare us. 
leading us to rejoice in him who never fails in our time of need. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who receive the Holy Supper of our Lord today, that they would eat his body and drink his blood in repentant faith and be strengthened to love others as Christ has loved them. And for those who long to receive the sacrament but are unable to do so for a time, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who have departed this veil of tears in faith and who now sleep in Jesus, especially our sister Joan Lundberg, let us give thanks to the Lord that he would shepherd us in that same faith until our last hour, bringing us with them into his kingdom, which has no end. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hymn 435, hymn 435, Come to Calvary's Holy Mountain. You may be seated.
Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake, Grant us remission of all our sins, and by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us, and has given his only Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives power to become the children of God, and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord who accomplished the salvation of mankind by the tree of the cross, that where death arose, their life also might rise again, and that the serpent who overcame by the tree of the garden might likewise by the tree of the cross be overcome. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, grant us thy peace. Amen. Please come to receive the Lord's body and blood using both sides of the communion rail.
O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you, and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Hymn 432, In Silent Pain, the Eternal Son. <laughs> 